So, Will. Merry Christmas. Oh, Merry Christmas to you too. It's the new season. We're here. One of our, the silliest seasons of our podcast. What a way to kick it off, too. Uh, this movie, I don't have words, and I will have to find them. Did you watch it alone? Unfortunately, yes. <laughs> I watched it surrounded by my loved ones, who I think found it as frustratingly bad as I did. Well, that's good. Some of us still enjoyed it. Did you watch it together? Yeah, we yeah. did. At my parents over Thanksgiving. Oh, good. I wish I could have watched it with you, Will. It would have been so much better. I wish I also wasn't having stomach problems so I could have had some alcohol beforehand. Well, next weekend, we're doing Single All the Way here. So come on over to watch that one. Oh, wow. Okay, so I do have to ask a question before we get started, because that's the format of the show. This movie takes place at a town in Washington called Peppermint Hollow, which is the mint capital of the world. Notably, not the candy capital. No. There is very little candy in the film Candy Coated Christmas. It is very specifically about the plant mint and all of the things you can do with the plant mint. Yeah, I feel like it should have been called a minty fresh Christmas or something like that. Or just included more candy. When the annoying teenage niece is like, it's going to be a candy-coated Christmas. And I was like, well, it hasn't been so far. (laughs) And then it doesn't become one. But this begs the question. You are the mayor of a small town. And you are tasked with rebranding it entirely around one flavoring. What do you choose? Okay. So I thought about cinnamon because I feel like the history of the cinnamon trade is pretty dicey. And so there's like a real opportunity to be like the up and comer, like worthy, exciting, like responsible cinnamon people. But then I thought, no, no, no. Cinnamon has enough of a history. It's time to like go really distinct and ideally a flavor that lends itself well to mascots. So you can brand your town like it's a Japanese city. And that's why my community will be themed around blue raspberry. Interesting. (sighs) That's not a thing. (laughs) Correct. Blue raspberries are not real. The flavor does not taste like anything in the natural world. (laughs) It's just sugar. It is sour sugar. (laughs) But it's blue. It is blue. Oh, So (laughs) my, my town will be like blue raspberry falls. And we'll have an artificial waterfall in the town square with blue dyed water going through it. And what's your mascot? Is it a blue raspberry? It's probably a blue raspberry. Okay. Or maybe it's like, you know how sometimes there are those like stuffed animals that are like a squirrel holding an acorn? Yeah. I think our mascot is going to be like a badger holding an enormous blue raspberry. Why a badger? I don't know. They're cute. Okay. Will, I would not have thought any, I am so unsurprised that you chose a fake artificial flavor. (laughs) Oh yeah, because I chose a candy flavor? (laughs) Yeah, you chose specifically a candy flavor. And I'm trying just so hard to think of the best way to express my utter lack of (laughs) surprise at this decision. Look, this flavor represents an important food group in my life. So I think it makes sense that I went with it. I also did think about cinnamon because it's very versatile. You can do savory sweet. You could have a mascot that looks like Map from Dora. Oh, sure. But then I also thought, who needs the savory? I just want to do dulce de leche. (laughs) (laughs) I just want everything to be dulce de leche flavored. And the mascot can just be like an ice cream cone with dulce de leche on top. I like that you've adopted the idea that the town needs a mascot. Obviously. Honestly, this movie would have been better if the town had a mascot rather than a TV (laughs) chef who can't act. (laughs) Who can't act? And it's like they realized it. And despite the entire marketing campaign being the pioneer woman is in a movie, she's in like two very brief scenes. It was shocking how little she was in it. I genuinely thought she was the star based off of the advertising. I also thought that. Yeah, I thought she was going to be a much bigger part. All right, Fiona. Give us your flavor. Originally, I was thinking chocolate because I feel like 
my blood is part chocolate. That's all I eat. But that's disgusting to imagine. <laughs> like I'm imagining a heart pumping like <laughs> sludgy chocolate through a okay, body. Okay, you don't have to make it sound sludgy like poop or anything. Oh uh, well, you're the one who brought poop into this. <laughs> poop wouldn't really be sludge unless it was like kind of watered down. No, poop it would be like shoving through a tube. Well, I predict that two weeks from now you're gonna talk a lot about poop and I'm not gonna be happy about it. Anyways, But then I remembered that actually it's a lifelong dream of mine to be a citizen of Genovia. And in Genovia, they're all about pears. So I want a town that's all about pears. And the mascot can be a pear with a face. So based off of last week, as of recording this, last week I was in Hilton Head Island with my parents for Thanksgiving. I felt my body become at least part cornmeal from the amount of grits and hush puppies I was eating. (laughs) Maybe the most Southern thing I've ever said, but I do think a town centered around cornmeal with hush puppies as your mascot could also be very fun. So that would be like dogs with their mouths sewn shut? Yeah, and the dogs run around hushed up. No, they're just like... Little hush puppies, but then you add on dog ears and a dog snout. Can you draw a picture of this? It might be kind of cute. I mean, just Google circular dog and you'll probably get an image of what I'm thinking about. (laughs) Cornmeal also can be used in like the random things they have in this movie, like in the soaps and stuff. That's true. I feel like we've all come up with equally good answers to this question. Okay. (laughs) Is there more to that? (laughs) No, I just want to make sure that Blue Raspberry does not get dismissed too quickly. (laughs) Uh, Will, it would be your town. If there was a town centered around Blue Raspberry, you would be the mayor. That's true. You might be the mayor like a dog is a mayor of a town, (laughs) but you would be the mayor. I would at least get one of those like mayor sashes and a top hat, right? Ideally, yes. But the top hat is shaped like a Blue Raspberry. I want to be dressed like Alan Cumming as the mayor in Schmigadoon, but all in bright blue. I think you should also look like Violet Beauregard, post-gum. Either or both. I think, like, your teeth need to be blue, too. Or maybe just, like, I think it should maybe be dazzling white teeth, but a bright blue tongue. So you're not expecting it, but then it's there. And then you just keep a chained up live polar bear in the middle of town, like on the Slurpee logo. When I was in like kindergarten, there was a book at the school library about lizards that I was obsessed with because, you know, it's like for children, like it's like a picture book of different kinds of lizards, like of photos. And one of them was the blue tongue lizard that was just a lizard with a bright blue tongue. And I was obsessed with it. And I checked the book out like a dozen times just to look at that picture. (laughs) That? That's... Kind of (laughs) weird. I guess this is an era before Google, but I do like the idea of you having a Google search history that's just like blue-footed boobies, blue-tongued lizard. I can't think of any other animal. Blue jay. That has blue in it. There's some blue frogs. Blue fish. Blue frogs are great. The poison dart frog is so cool. All right. Okay. So we each have our towns. We've come up with several good ideas. But I think it's time we moved into this movie, because as I want to say again, I hated this movie. <laughs> Welcome it's to We good. Love the Love, a Hollywood romance podcast. I'm Mark, and I'm gay. And I'm Will, and I'm a ginger. And this is an investigative podcast dedicated to the least important question facing the world today. Does Hollywood holiday romance actually make any sense? And should the Food Network be allowed to exist after making this movie? <laughs> And also, are these people dateable or even likable? It doesn't matter if the romance is a main plot or a one-scene flirtation. We will dig in and see what's there. And this week, we are joined again by my sister, hashtag Fifi Fierce herself, to discuss the Food Network's first ever scripted holiday movie, Candy Coated Christmas, which came out just a couple of weeks ago. Hello! So, obviously, none of us had seen this before because it is brand spanking new. Um, How did we all like our experience signing up for Discovery Plus to watch the Food Network Christmas movie? I cannot believe I blew through my Discovery Plus free trial (laughs) for this and not for Barefoot Contessa. 
You have more email addresses. I do. I have at least three more email addresses I could use. I have two email addresses just for this podcast because we changed the name. I have a question. So they say it's their first scripted holiday movie. Does that mean they've had other scripted non-holiday movies? No, I think it's their first original movie entirely. Okay. I feel like it's probably their first scripted, like fully scripted thing that's not reality TV in some form. Okay. Or like some kind of documentary. Yeah. So the reason that we were aware of this was because there was a variety story back in like September announcing that this thing had been made starring the pioneer woman. And I messaged the two of you and said, all right, it's decided. This is the bad Christmas movie we're doing this year. (laughs) I am so disappointed in the marketing campaigns, lies and falsehoods. Because this movie does not star the Pioneer Woman. This movie has the Pioneer Woman stand behind a counter and run a cafe. Well, she does deliver some treats for their party. Yeah, and she's at that party where she talks to the real estate agent. She's got like three whole scenes. We hear a lot about her mint brownie bites. She does nod silently in the montage where Noah is trying to get people to invest in his business. (laughs) Mark, it sounds like she stole the show. She has never left Peppermint Hollow, and she runs a small cafe. Where does she have money to invest? It's funny. You know, you brought up her not having left the town. Oftentimes in these Christmas movies that involve a small town, the problem with the protagonist is that they left the town or they don't care about Christmas. What's interesting in this one is the main character, whose name I never fully caught a grasp. Like, Molly. never fully grasped. Chloe. Molly. Molly. <laughs> She all right. I Chloe thought... is the ex-girlfriend. Yes. Then Molly the celebrates name? Christmas. The friend was named she Molly. like? No, that's Gracie. Molly celebrates Christmas. Nobody shames her for not being from the town. Her like character flaw is not liking mint. <laughs> her character flaw is also just being a terrible person. She's rude. Well, yeah. She's a rude that's guest. The thing. She is mean. She is like the actual meanest holiday movie star I feel I have seen. Especially given that, like, the movie isn't really about her, like, learning to be nice. It's not a Scrooge situation. She's rewarded for the meanness because Noah starts falling for her before she becomes nice. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. She was awful. She was, like, so complainy. I was a little upset that there were no Christmas pun names of any of these characters. It's weird. I mean, they are the Winters family. Oh, that's true. But that's it. Because it's winter mint. You usually have a Chris or a Nick or something like that. Or a Carol. A Carol. Noel. Joy. Um, Fiona, you have... Actually, I don't know if you would know the person who played Molly. Her name's Molly McCook. She was on three seasons of Last Man Standing, but only the ones on Fox, which I think you did not watch. <laughs> oh, well, I've seen every season. I thought you stopped watching it after it was canceled and then didn't pick oh, up. Oh, 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 like recently. No, I have not seen them. Yeah, it was only off the air for one year. But Yeah, but I didn't go back and rewatch. I still can't believe I watched most of that show. Neither can I because <laughs> you hated it the entire time and complained about it the entire time. I really did. <laughs> but I started it and I felt like I had to finish. You can just Why not never watch ended. every episode. <laughs> It's hard. Sometimes when I start something, I'm like, I need to finish. Um, then well, I'll you feel, have not finished Last Man Standing. There's three like more seasons. Yeah, okay, fine. That's one thing I've quit. I have um, kind of embraced being Mandy a quitter recently. I mean, frankly, uh, time in life is limited. I should be able to quit more often. That's how I feel about reading bad books. If a book hasn't hooked me after 50 pages, we're done. Nope, I pushed through. <sighs> you know what didn't hook me after 50? Anything? This Goddamn movie. (laughs) Okay. The interesting thing about Candy Coated Christmas is that not only is it the first Christmas movie for the Food Network, it's like the first Christmas movie for a lot of people involved. Like, all of the writers have not written any other Christmas movies, which is unusual because this is like a little industry of people who just churn them out. Have these writers written any movies? Okay. So it's written by Ellie Canner, who's also the director, along with Joey Plager and Alex Yonks. This is Canner's only writing credit and Plager's only writing credit. He actually has produced a bunch of holiday movies. And Alex Yonks has only ever written like two episodes of The Big Bang Theory and some shorts. Ellie Canner, who wrote and directed it, 
is mainly a casting director. Like, she's directed some TV movies. She's directed some Redbox movies. But she is, like, her main thing is being... Redbox has their own movies? No, I'm just talking about movies that are made, but, like, don't actually go into theaters or anything. They just go straight to Redbox. Oh, okay. She is an award-winning casting director. She cast Friends and Sex in the City. Oh. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, She also cast MVP, Most Vertical Primate. She also was not a good director of this movie. That's the thing. It's like, she is an award-winning casting director. I cannot argue with that. Like, she is incredibly good at that job based on the shows she cast. But I do not need to track down any of her other movies because this movie is crazy boring. Not everybody can be multi-talented. It's so boring. Like, this movie took all of the cliches of Hollywood Christmas movies and just, it didn't add anything new. It had nothing interesting added. It's striking to watch this in tandem with Christmas in Connecticut, which we're talking about later this month. Because that is, like, the origin of the holiday romance and, like, does the things it does better than any of these TV movies. Candy Coated Christmas is, like, you know those photos that are, like, we took the face of every person on Earth and blended it together into, like, what an average person looks like? And it's always, like vaguely masculine like often like vaguely asian because of the way the population is distributed you know the pictures i'm talking about yeah this movie is that average photo of holiday romances where like it has vague elements of all of them but executes none of them in a memorable way because with hollywood the bad i keep saying hollywood with the bad holiday movies we're watching they at least have a hook a ghost a snowman comes to life There's four Vanessa Hudgenses. A time-traveling night. A time-traveling night. That one keeps rising in my estimation the further we get from it. I'm like, maybe The Night Before Christmas is one of the best ones. (laughs) This movie had nothing except a stunt casting that showed up in a grand total of four minutes of screen time and then an interview during the credits. Oh my gosh, that interview is wild. It was so weird. It's like the movie ends with a promo for the version of itself that it advertised, but is not. I just, I want something crazy to happen. There's no point to it if nothing crazy doesn't happen. And nothing really does. And like, the plot is entirely contrived. Like, they're constantly presented with obvious solutions that they don't take because it would mean the movie is over. It's just an enormously tiresome thing that feels much longer than it is. And there's, like, the weird gesture she does, even that, which shows up in a lot of movies, where she sells the purse and is like, no, I'll just take the dress. For a movie that's all about how she doesn't have enough money, for her to just kind of, like, throw money away, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make her seem like a good person in any way. No! And also, what I'm thinking in that scene where she's at the, like, thrift store, pawn shop, whatever, I'm just like... Chloe is taking on this bag. Why? Like, everything she has said suggests she will not be able to sell it again at value. Well, I mean, now she will. Chloe made a big show of like, wow, what are you doing in here with that stuff? But then accepts it like you're not going to be able to flip it. That's just a loss for you. I feel like Chloe was fully unnecessary in this movie. She's a bananas character. Yeah. It's like they had a checklist of everything they thought they needed and then added it without putting any effort into it, put a little check mark in the box, and then at the end drew a little smiley face instead of having a movie. (laughs) That's exactly what they did. And that's where, again, I'm like, yeah, this movie was written by a bunch of people who have not written movies, and, like, the one person with a bunch of experience has produced a bunch of TV Christmas movies, and it's like, all right, here's what we need to do. If you told me this was written by an algorithm, (laughs) it is one I would believe. Because there is no human element to it. Absolutely. Um, Speaking of the Christmas movie algorithm, I want to run through some of Aaron O'Connell's Christmas credits. This is the guy who plays Noah. Fiona, shout out if you've seen any of these. Oh, sure. All right. Um, In chronological order of the... He's been in seven total, including this one. So I'm going to give you the other six. Uh, He's in the 12 Gifts of Christmas. Uh, Give me a second. What channel did it run on? Uh, I'm not sure. Hallmark. Um, So the premise of this one is, uh, with two more weeks until Christmas, a busy businessman hires a struggling artist to help him pick out gifts for his friends and family. Boo. Uh, I may have seen that. Okay. Uh, What about a prince for Christmas? A prince for Christmas. 
This is uh, wanting to escape an arranged marriage. A European prince flees to the United States. There he meets a struggling young waitress who may just be his one true love. No. It's so painful hearing these descriptions read out loud. Wait, 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 wait. Wait, the say that, that again? The fact that two in a row said struggling young. Will, what was the summary for that one again? Wanting to escape an arranged marriage, a European prince flees to the United States where he meets a struggling young waitress who may just be his one true love. Yes, I have seen that one, but there's multiple movies named... Oh, this is a... Oh, I I found A Princess for Christmas. I have seen A Prince for Christmas. Uh, it's an Ion original movie, and I believe I saw it the year it came out. How many of these have you watched? I don't, we're about to find out! <laughs> what about My Holidays Made to Order? I do not think I've seen that. A hopeless romantic who can't ever seem to give a guy a real chance begins receiving each one of the 12 days of Christmas as gifts anonymously at her door Mm. and begins to believe that the mystery suitor may finally live up to her expectations. No, I haven't seen that one. What about uh, With Love Christmas? Uh, It doesn't sound familiar. At an ad agency, Melanie, who loves Christmas, and Donovan, who doesn't, are paired to make a Christmas ad for a cell phone. They also get to be each other's secret Santa at the office and learn more (laughs) about each other. Will it go beyond that? I have not seen that. What about This Is Our Christmas? The Foxworth family decide to spend the Christmas holiday with their Aunt Maggie, only to find her beloved bakery is under threat. It's up to the family to band together, save the bakery, and pull off a Christmas miracle. Nope. This is so painful. What about Blending Christmas? I don't think so. Oh, that one's this year. It might not have come out yet. Oh. The holiday season is in full swing when Emma learns that the resort where she used to spend Christmases with her family is being redeveloped. Guys, that one that <laughs> one premieres this weekend. Oh. Is that a concurrent movie to this one? The resort being redeveloped is a failed project of Molly's dad. Oh, I would love that. Guys, Haley Duff, the older sister of Hillary Duff, is an executive producer of that one. Aaron O'Connell is also in an upcoming movie called Love Accidentally with Brenda Song and Denise Richards. And I can't tell from the description if it's a Christmas movie or not. Hmm. There's not a lot of red and green on the poster, which makes me think no. I don't think so. Speaking of this man, he is one of the quintessential examples of a holiday movie trying to cast someone who is hot, but then they just like are off-putting. Instead of doing what the snowman's did and just casting someone who is good looking. This guy is one of those like algorithm blend everyone together photos brought to life. Yeah. He's so bland and so off-putting to look at at the same time. If this guy's photo showed up on that Twitter account that tweets out people that don't exist, I would believe it. And Noah is also just a nothing burger. There's nothing to Noah. (laughs) No, he's incredibly... Nothing. There is nothing to him. He likes mint and he raises his niece. Who is super annoying, we should say. She's she's... supposed to be spunky and fun, and I find her deeply annoying. I feel like she acts way younger than she appears to be. Well, that's the thing. I mean, I think that actor is probably like, what, 22? Maybe. She should have been eight. Yes. Because this also makes, like, was Noah's brother 20 years older than him? But they want to have somebody that Molly can, like, be conspiratorial have with. Have girl just talk work. with. Yeah. I think the only person I enjoyed on screen was her friend. Gracie. And it's because her exasperated mom shtick was at least something normal. Okay, but even that is bananas, where, like, she's doing the exasperated mom thing, like, I can't get away to, like, do stuff all the time, but then she flies to Washington to say, like, what are you gonna do about this to her friend, (laughs) to then fly away. She's gotta be in town for 15 minutes. No, she said she was close to wherever she needed to be. Yeah, I think she, like, flew in and drove over for a day, because it was close to her husband's family's house. Yeah. She said, she did say, oh, it's so close to like Kevin's parents' house or something. That's not the name. I just made that up, but. That's fine. It's not memorable, just like everything else in this movie. Every year, I feel like we hit the bottom of the barrel and somehow the barrel just keeps going. I think this is a barrel filled with other barrels. So you get (laughs) to the bottom and the bottom of the barrel is just covering up another barrel bottom. It is funny how, like, 
each year I retroactively start to think like maybe last year's were good after all. <laughs> yeah, like I'm looking back and I'm just like Spirit of Christmas at least had something interesting going on. And then I remember, wait, no, that was the most boring movie. Spirit of Christmas is a trap because there's no way to explain it that doesn't sound interesting, but it is not. <laughs> it's a little scary though. It is not. <laughs> I'm but counting that as a lie. It's not a lie. I would say that it does almost make it worse than this movie because this movie doesn't trap you at all. This movie is just like bland from the beginning. You're not convinced that there's going to be any sort of ghost or scary thing at all in this movie. Fiona, are there any new or old, but especially new crappy Christmas movies you've got your eye on this year? Well, the third and final installment of the Princess Switch series is out. I have not seen it yet. Are they still doing N plus one, Vanessa? Hudgens? I don't know. I haven't. I haven't even yeah. seen the trailer. Is there actually a fourth Hudgens? I hope. I really hope so. And then uh, Colin and I watched this weekend. It was a movie called Christmas at Castle Heart, and it takes place in Ireland. And there were Irish accents galore. It's weird because that one's on Netflix, right? No, no, that's Christmas at the Castle. I thought it was like, I know Netflix has, I think, A Castle for Christmas. That's what it was, A Castle for Christmas. But the one we watched was Christmas at Castle Heart, where this girl and her sister get fired from their waitressing job. And then they decide to go to Ireland for Christmas to like find their Irish roots because their dad had been adopted from an Irish family. And they go there and they like end up meeting the Earl of the town and they find out that they need to throw a Christmas party and their event planner canceled last minute. And so they lie and say that they are event planners and put on a whole event for them. One, Ireland doesn't have earls anymore. Two, Irish people hate Americans that go to Ireland to like rediscover find their, their roots. roots. Yeah. And, like, yeah. And, and I rolled my eyes at that, but at the very least, it was like their dad had been, like, born to an Irish family, but then was adopted. So that was, like... It's a more legitimate connection. Exactly. Yeah. And then at the end, the f- they find out that the pub owner is their aunt. Oh, my gosh. Boo. So, wait, do they both marry the Earl at the end? No, just the one. Trouble. And then the other one gets with this guy named Killian, who is a waiter. Wow. One of them is much luckier than the other. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, one of them is marrying a real person, and the other is marrying an imaginary nobleman. Well, the Earl's name is Aiden. Ew. Gross. <laughs> and frankly, God. he's not that good looking. Well, Fiona, none of them are ever good looking. <laughs> the only good looking one is her friend from Snowman's. Yeah, he was the best yeah. one. And it's because he was supposed to be the not good looking one. So they didn't choose a person from the not a real person Twitter account. There are some good looking people in... The Princess Switch. Yeah. Netflix. I'm less compelled by the ones that have enough of a budget. Like, Netflix throws a little more money at these to get, like, real stars like Vanessa Hudgens or Rob Lowe. Like, those barely count. I forgot he was in that one. Yeah. The Netflix ones, they at least cast hot people. Okay. That's really the only thing they have going for them. As we will discuss more next week with Single All the Way. These are all just so terrible. Mark, what's your least favorite of the bad TV movies you've watched? This one. Okay. <laughs> What's been your favorite? There's a right answer. I mean, name all of them. <laughs> what? Okay, in order. It's A Christmas Kiss. Okay, that's number one. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah that's, that's, it is. That's number one. <laughs> yeah. A Christmas Kiss is the best one. It's why I now own it on DVD. <laughs> I will say A Christmas Kiss has the worst offender of fake humans as the leading man. <laughs> it really does. Isn't he the guy that looks like Eric Trump? He is. But if you yes. told me he was Oliver from Sign Sealed Delivered, I would believe you. He looks like he is carved out of clay. Yes. But like like the craft store clay. <laughs> or clay he, do, he or clay that hasn't been adequately fired, so it's still like a little wet. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like the kind of stuff that's pumping through Fiona's veins. Are you saying he's damp? <laughs> he is actually from my memory, not that damp looking of a person. And he has so. that going for him. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think Ugh. we should probably talk about the romance of Candy Coated Christmas. Yeah. Okay. And this will involve zero discussion of the pioneer woman because she is barely in this movie. 
She runs the coffee shop, gives away free brownies, and is theoretically the wise person that you go to for advice that shows up in all these movies. But she, she never really gives advice, and it's never very good. I thought she yeah. would be like the magical little elf, like the magical elf person, and she wasn't. We should also note that when I pulled up Discovery Plus to pull up this movie, Fiona, you announced I played the redhead. What? You claimed that you yourself played the redhead in this movie, and I wrote it down in my notes to make sure we're documenting <laughs> all of your lies. I don't remember saying that. These lies mean nothing to you. They just flow <laughs> out of your mouth like chocolate through yes, your veins. exactly. So you admit that you're a liar. No. I have to run through all of my notes really quick. I didn't take that many before I gave up. Uh, I have five. Um, <laughs> wow. There's no world where Baby Steps isn't taken as a company name. Uh, her flaw is that she doesn't like mint, two question marks. This bitch has never left her town, four question marks. I hate this. He's so creepy looking. <laughs> and then an empty bullet point, and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> so... Chloe, Noah's ex-girlfriend, is the one who has never left town. No, it's the it's the cafe owner. Oh, really? Yeah, Bee's, like, so happy she's never left town. I also, well, one other quick thing is just, because it was a Food Network movie, the number of times they just, like, zoomed in and panned over food that was just, like, fine looking. Okay, most of that food, especially all the stuff in the shop, those are Pioneer Woman recipes. Well, she definitely mentioned that the mint brownie bites were her real recipe. Yeah. That was in the interview at the end. I read her post on the Pioneer Woman blog where she talked about the movie. Oh, okay. It offered no insights except the name of the town where they shot, which, by the way, is Bountiful, Utah. A better name than Peppermint Hollow. So, Fiona. Yes. As our guest, it's going to be your job to guide us through the five points of romance of Candy Coated Christmas. Okay. And I'm glad that it was you so that I did not have to think this much about the romance of this movie. It was not that difficult. Well, there we go then. So you can take it away. Point number one is the meat cute. Remember the house that your mother grew up in? The one in Spearman Valley? Yeah, Peppermint Hollow. Who makes up these names? We went there a few times when you were still little before your mother passed away. Yes, I remember. She used to take me riding on chocolate chip. Yes, exactly. Your name is on the deed, Molly. So go. Sell it. You can use the money for your business. A terrible meat cute. It is. The most violent meat cute of any movie we've watched. Yeah, oh, absolutely. So Molly arrives in Pepperin Hollow, and she's walking around town, and out of nowhere, Noah just shoves her to the ground. She's walking out of the cafe. Right. She's got her non-peppermint coffee. Her empty cup, let's be sure, clear. Yeah. Her latte with no foam. <laughs> yeah. And she's really upset because she's been knocked down to the ground, and she has now lost her coffee. And he's like, excuse me, I saved your life because a snowball was headed right for you. I would rather have a snowball hit me, thrown by a child, than a man who is 6'2", shove me to the ground. Yep. Yep. And then he demands to be thanked for it. (laughs) It's so weird. Like, everyone in this movie is too aggressive. About everything. Everyone in this movie is just too much. TM. TM. And I do think it's important we mention that she is supposed to be in Hawaii. Because she mentions it every 30 (laughs) seconds. And all of her clothes would suggest that she is not planning to go somewhere cold. Right. I like that despite knowing where she was going when she left her house, she did not change any of the clothes she brought with her. Also, she had her booked flight to Hawaii from the town. So it's not like she only thought she was going to be spending a few hours there. You'd think she would have packed something. Mark, what you need to understand is she's dumb. And mean. Maybe she was worried about her heart thawing if she wore warmer clothes. So she wore her sleeveless rompers to keep that chilled heart. Also, her outfits were ugly. Anyway. And she needed better shoes. Um, Yeah, that's point one. Uh, then point two is when they meet again at the house. Thanks for not evicting us yet. I assume that's why you're here. So the whole reason she even went to Peppermint Hollow is because her dad is broke. She's broke. But she is the owner of her mom's old house. And her dad's like, oh, maybe you should sell the house and get some money. 
So she shows up to the house and realizes that the man who knocked her over is the man living in her mother's house. Right, which at that point you're like, all right, I got it. Like, she's going to want to sell the place. She's going to, like, keep it a secret. They're going to fall in love. She's going to be like, oh, no, I shouldn't sell this. Like, the movie, it's like a flowchart. No spoilers, Will. (laughs) The movie practically puts the spoilers on the package. Like, like I said, it's a flowchart. Nothing happens here that is unexpected. Not that it's a movie's job to surprise you, but it's a movie's job to find something creative, even if it's telling a traditional story type. And this just doesn't. This movie took what is supposed to be, like, the part that adds spice and replaced it with mint. And I think that is a good description of the movie where the spice level is minty. You know, there's some flavor, but there's nothing actually interesting there. So she's there. Her plan is to sell the house. They think she's there to come check on the rent. They're there. He gives her a tour. Because they're like four months behind on rent. Yeah. Part of the thing with this movie is just like, Her dad, I guess the name is, the deed is in Molly's name. So she has owned this house for so long, there cannot possibly be a mortgage on it. Like, they could could lower the rent if they are trying to be nice to these people. Also, like, they control the price of the rent. If Molly owns the house, the rent money should have been going to Molly, which means her dad has been stealing the rent money for years. Because otherwise, Molly would have the money for her business from a pool of rent money that she doesn't know about. Maybe that is the money he's going to give her. But that means then he invested it in the company (laughs) and lost it. Yeah. Which is criminal. Like, this movie has an undercurrent of, like, landlords are the villains, but isn't smart enough to realize that it's there. Wow. You can't ask too much, Will. Uh, but then they force her to stay at the house. Well, first he gives her a tour of the house and shows her the greenhouse where the mint grows. They grow mint all year round. But but yeah, then then they force her to stay for dinner. And then just straight up stay. Like the next morning, she's woken up by the rooster and she comes down going like, oh yeah, the bird woke me up. And they're like, the rooster? And she's like, yeah, the bird. Because apparently Molly doesn't know what a rooster is. Like, that's not like... I haven't been on a farm. I have also never lived on a farm. I know what a rooster is. Why? Because I've seen any cartoon ever. Yeah. And this is She's when dumb. this is when we see her try she also tries to flip pancakes, but she tries to use a spoon instead of a spatula and then she oh, yeah. burns She's so dumb. the pancakes. And <sighs> it goes beyond the like mega lead clumsy to make her relatable. You just have to look at Molly and be like, "She's stupid." Yeah. Yeah, she is not a smart woman. Their business is not going to do well. No! I'm not even clear what their business was supposed to be. Selling baby stuff. Oh, okay. I don't think they're 100% clear on what it is. Their business plan is to, like, make money selling nonsense to white people. <laughs> okay. I That's assume why she's that like, ah, this business would be great. Was like, the my business pacifiers. would sell your mint lip balm. That has nothing to do with babies, but some white people might buy it. I also think that the reason the resort company is going underwater is because Molly is in charge of advertising it. Oh, Mark, you got to understand, she's so good at marketing. (laughs) Her favorite part of her job is relationships. We're told that in no small detail. She loves relationships. I did like when they, I think they, someone asked her, but, and they were like, but what does that mean? What do you actually do? And she didn't have an answer. No. Because, I mean, because she's not actually. Relationships. She doesn't actually have a job. She's just kept on the payroll for nepotism. Yep. Yep. Um, so yeah. So she's yeah. stuck at the house. No, for no, 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 no. No reason. Not yet. That's point three. Or not stuck. We're not on point three yet. House. Point three is when she gets stuck at the house. She's just here to collect the rent. That's all. Then why is she out Christmas tree shopping with you and your family instead of plotting her escape? Because oh right, because the first night that she stays, they're like, you should stay here because there's a snowstorm coming in, and then. The next morning she wakes up and there is no more fake snow on the ground than there was when she arrived, but she can't leave because the airports are shut down because of all the no snow that fell. The first thing that happens is she loses her keys. Oh, right. It's not until she finally is like trying to leave after the whole key thing that they're like, the snow's too heavy. Right. And 
She lost her keys because she went outside in her stiletto heels and slipped and fell and everything fell out of her purse. And then she couldn't go anywhere. So she is now stuck at the house. And this is where she and Noah, they do kind of bond a little bit, but she's also still rude. This movie commits the ultimate sin of holiday movies, where the thing that makes her nice is the fact that the person is in love with her. But there's no reason he should be in love with her because she's not nice. Like, the person has to start thawing before there's a relationship, but she doesn't change at all. And still he's like, I love her. Yeah, it's very stupid. This is a stupid movie about stupid people. Yeah, he, like, tries to convince her that she needs to learn about mint farming. He drives her into town where his ex-girlfriend tries to make Molly jealous. They do kind of have a conversation in the greenhouse about life, I guess. And he teaches her how to eat mint and cut mint. And again, she just looked like an idiot when she didn't realize, like, she doesn't how do you do cut it. mint leaves? She's just like, I can't do it. And hands the clippers back. It's like she's never held scissors before. Right. Oh, and I also loved when <sighs> he went through a list of all the different products you could make with mint. I just wanted him to keep doing yes. that for like 20 minutes. Just keep listing things you can make with mint. So she also, she goes Christmas shopping with Noah and Dakota. Boring. They run into Chloe, who's incredibly hostile. They've been broken up for who knows how long. Chloe is Noah's ex, who hates Molly automatically. I was like, what is she doing here? But Dakota says that Chloe's not even Noah's type anyways. And Dakota also tells Molly about a guy that she's into. And then they look at a dress, but it's too expensive. And then Chloe shames them for being interested in this super expensive dress. And I'm like, this dress is at your store. If you're going to shame people for buying it, then don't have it at your store. Yep. It's really weird. It's a dumb business. Don't shame people for buying stuff in your own store. It's so weird. Chloe doesn't make any sense. She's the I least will say, logical character in the entire movie, and I didn't care for her. There are many stores where their business model is making you feel ashamed of buying their products. Yeah, but it shouldn't be this kind of store. Uh, I don't know what thrift stores you've been to, but they're not exactly known for their nice customer service. <laughs> um, oh, this is also when Molly's credit cards get declined in front yeah, of Chloe. Now she's like, poor, poor. Right. Oh, and then they go home later and Noah like calls her outside and is like, oh, I have something to show you. And he set up this weird like tunnel of lights that he wanted to show her that wasn't that impressive, but he was really, he really wanted her to see it. And they talked about their different Christmas traditions, bonding a little bit more. And she offers, oh, she tries to offer her business skills for their use. Because their mid farming is going poorly. Yeah, they've got all this surplus and no one to buy it. Uh, They go shopping to get a Christmas tree together. They're really like bonding. I was, we were wondering, since you're still kind of stuck here, if you wanted to come with us to pick out a Christmas tree. I've never picked out a Christmas tree before. You've never picked out a Christmas tree? Nope. Are you Jewish? No. (laughs) Uh, No, they were just always picked out for me. All about three stories high and centered in the lobby of my dad's hotels. Meanwhile, the grandmother is trying to convince Noah that he should get Molly's phone number. And they end up holding hands while they are Christmas shopping. And then they decorate the tree where we sing far too much of the 12 Days of Christmas. Any singing of the 12 Days of Christmas is too much singing of the 12 Days of Christmas. That's true. (laughs) Frankly... No one should ever sing the song. And if they're going to do it in a movie, they should do like two and then move on. What they certainly should not do is like one by one sing a different (laughs) verse as they put a relevant ornament on a tree. Because also, it's the thing of by the time you get to the fourth day of Christmas like they do, it feels like a threat. A threat (laughs) that they are going to keep going through all 12 days and I'm going to have to watch them all. And mercifully, I do not. But nonetheless, you should not hold me hostage like that. I really thought they were going to do all of them. I will say one good thing about this movie. It is 83 minutes long with credits. It feels twice that. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so she's like 
fully like immersed in their Christmas lives now. And she's also trying to change their business model. But meanwhile, she's been ignoring all these calls from the realtor who just wants to bring up some paperwork. And she had said, I will come pick it up. But then she ignored his calls every single time. And that brings us to point four, which is when the realtor just shows up at the house and she manages to talk to him without anybody seeing it. But then she, like the idiot that she is, puts the folder with the information from the realtor on the kitchen counter for everybody to have access to. You were going to sell this place? Why didn't you just tell us the truth? She's so dumb. So this is when we have the traditional falling out. They have a fight because they find the information on selling the house. And they also and they find out sad. they also find out that she is broke. So that all of this like all of this talk about going into business together really isn't going to happen. Oh, yes. Yeah, because her plan doesn't make any sense from the beginning. There's no reason to believe that anybody involved knows how to sell mint. And like, who are they going to sell it to? There can't be that much of a market for mint in town because everyone has mint. Like, you've got to get a distribution arm if you're going to do this. Okay, I have this written in my notes. Do they say this or did mom just say it? The quote is, the magic of mint. I don't know. Okay. Uh, probably both. <laughs> yeah, could be. I like it when he refers to mint as nature's toothbrush. Yeah. Um, I can't stand this movie. It's so bad. So yeah, so they're all upset at each other. Well, Noah is upset with Molly. Dakota is the only one who sees her off when she leaves. Gran tries to convince him that she was probably conflicted and also says that Noah wasn't honest either because he kept saying that they did have the rent when they very definitely did not have the rent. But again, they could lower the rent. You don't know what the property taxes are like, Will. I think they probably can deal with it. So then point five is just everything kind of getting resolved. So Molly goes back to Chloe's shop for some reason. She buys the dress. I don't, oh, she trades her purse, right? She's going to have it delivered to Chloe, but she decides to go back to the house to give Dakota the dress. But Noah answers the door. It's never too late. I like where this is going. They apologize, and he makes fun of her burnt food, and then they profess their love to one another and throw snowballs at each other, and they spend Christmas together, and even her dad shows up. All the snowball throwing business is so tiresome. Like, from the first time he knocks her to the ground to save her from a snowball, like, every time it comes up again, I'm like, why are we supposed to find this charming? I know. The first time it happened, I was just like, that was so aggressive. (laughs) And then yeah. he's demanding to be thanked for it. I was just like, what is happening? Leave this woman alone. She's and that's when I knew this alone. movie would be extra terrible. Yeah. Then they have the big Christmas party. At which, again, nothing is candy coated. No. But the brownie mint, the mint brownie bites are there. Right. This is a mint Christmas. This is a, co- a very long commercial for the mint brownie bites. Yeah. All right, team. So, Fiona. Do you find the romance between Molly and Noah believable? No. Absolutely not. She's awful, and he physically shoves her to the ground when they first meet. And, and he does it again. And she's mean. She also falls she's a lot rude. in this movie. And she lies. She falls, she falls several times. Maybe the reason she's so mean is because she has brain damage from the constant concussion <laughs> she's getting. She also thinks you can flip a pancake with a slotted spoon. She's dumb. She's, oh God. All right, Fiona, every week we rate movies on their believability from a scale of one to 10. Where would you rate this one? I'm giving this a zero. There's no reason reason they should even be friends. I was going to give it a one. I didn't realize Fiona would be more aggressive than I am. (laughs) I'm going to go with Fiona on this. This is a zero. There's nothing believable about this romance at all. Because this, Mark, this doesn't even meet your usual explanation of, like, they're both hot. Because he's not. She's not really either. Like, they're both just fine. I think this is a zero. I think hotness adds at least a point, and this movie does not have that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I think we can just say neither Molly nor Noah is dateable. They're both incredibly annoying. Which raises the question then, Fiona, if you had to pick one person in this movie to date, Who would you choose? I think I'm just going to go with the grandma because she can make good pancakes. 
She can make good other food, and she does a little bit more than the Food Network lady. Will? I'm going to go with Yonk, the Christmas tree salesman. Uh, <laughs> they have no lines. <laughs> they just sell Christmas trees from under a sign that says Yonks. Now, I'm a little bit concerned about that because Alex Yonks is a writer-producer of this movie, so I don't want to date oh. anybody who created this movie. But if it's a fictional character who just sells Christmas trees, that's fine. Okay. Mark? I'm going to go with the realtor. He seemed nice. Oh, he seemed nice enough, yeah. That's that's the real good choice. And he could dance. He was dancing at the end. I like how we just have, he was nice. That's all we need for this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think Molly and Noah would stay together? I couldn't uh, begin to answer I don't that know. question. Considering we said there's zero believability here, I don't know how to answer this. Yeah. I have no clue. I'm just going to say no, because she's mean. Yeah. yeah. All right, Fiona. Many of the films we've covered on this podcast have been adapted into stage musicals. Should there be a Broadway musical of Candy Coated Christmas? No. Nope. This story is dumb. Just, it's There's just no, no story. There's not There's much more no. to say. So I think that about does it for Candy Coated Christmas. We have suffered through another of these TV Christmas romances. <laughs> Ugh. Next week, we are watching another one. I don't know anything about this one because I refuse to fill my brain with the knowledge before I have to. It is called Single All The Way. It is out on Netflix, so you can check it out there. It's brand new this year. And uh, Mark, it is at least our first uh, gay holiday romance movie. You know what? I'm just going to say it. That does not guarantee any improvement in quality. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I watched a bad lesbian one last weekend, and I was like, I guess it's nice that like other people get to be mediocre. <laughs> that is true. At least the lesbians can be mediocre now. Like, we no longer demand excellence for a movie about lesbians. They can also be boring. Well, until then, you can follow the show on Facebook and Twitter at Love the Love Pod, and you can email us questions or movie suggestions at lovethelovepod at gmail.com. Please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe, especially on Apple Podcasts, to help other people find the show. Now, Fiona, I have a feeling you will not have a good answer to this, <laughs> but what is the best piece of dating advice we got from Candy Coated Christmas? And the answer should not be physical violence, even though <laughs> that works for Noah. No, just teach them about something you love, like he teaches her about mint. I felt like there were some sparks between B, the baker, and the realtor at the end of the movie. So I'm going to say, offer somebody some brownies. In that same vein, I would also say, get out on that dance floor. Yeah. And bust a move. Well, there you go. Until next time, I'm a ginger. And I'm gay, so between the two of us, we know everything there is to know about romance. Bye! I think it's time. (gasps) Is it time? Oh, it's definitely time. Time for what? On the first day of Christmas, my true love gave to me a partridge in a pear tree. On the second day of Christmas, my true love gave to me two turtle doves and a partridge in a pear tree. On the third day of Christmas, my true love gave to me three French hens, two turtle doves and a partridge in a pear tree. Who knew? You've got to do it. It's your turn. She's right. On the fourth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me four calling birds, three French hens, two turtle doves, and a partridge.